You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. We are doing the liturgy this year, and today's liturgical passage, we've chosen the New Testament one that was available to us, which takes us into Ephesians 1, where Paul has a super long run-on sentence, like the whole paragraph is one sentence. So I will read it to you as though somebody is running out of breath so that you can feel the greatness of Paul's explosion of excitement here. Here we go. I'm in verse 15, Ephesians 1, 15. Hang on, let me get rid of this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and all revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's just like a classic uh, theologian right there. Like, oh man, how do I strip all theology down as as concrete as you can say it. Paul had his assignment somewhere in seminary. Tell me in one sentence what, what you believe is core theology. <laughs> He's like, oh, sure, here we go. Commas after commas, getting everything out that he can. But right here in this passage, Paul refers to you as saints, hagios. In the Old Testament, saints or hagios were, were angels. They were God's heavenly family His counsel. The Old Testament has a different word for it because it's in Hebrew, but the literal translation is not saints like we think of Catholic saints or Orthodox saints, people who lived really good lives. The actual, like, literal translation is just holy ones. That is a term used for spiritual beings in the Old Testament, and that's a term that Paul takes and applies to you in the New Testament. You are God's heavenly family. You are holy ones. You are hagios. And I don't know about you, but I often have times where I don't feel like a holy one. I often have times where I feel like I am beat up and falling apart. And for reasons like that, I have a very special um, affinity to authors like Brennan Manning. I don't know if you've ever read any of his books. One of my favorite books of all time, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And the reason I love this book is because it's just full of grace and love. He recognizes that we are all, as he would say, ragamuffins. I'm not entirely sure what that means. But we're all beat up. We're all bedraggled. We are all falling apart. And 
God still loves us anyways in our ragamuffin form. God still loves you when you're not getting it all together. And if that's not a message that the church needs to hear, then I don't know what is. And so I pretty much like read everything Brennan Manning wrote for the most part. And the message kind of repeated itself in every single book. It's, it's kind of the same with different words. It's pretty much how all pastors work. Sorry. Uh, but essentially, he just keeps pushing that message. God loves you, even in your brokenness. And he talks about how one day God wound his clock for good, to use his own words. When he was caught up in this spiritual, supernatural experience where God just kind of really relayed to him, in some way or another, I love you, Brennan Manning, and I am for you. And that, that, I think, is what really got that message in his head and really got him preaching it everywhere he went. It was a message that he needed. He was a bit of a drunk for a long, for really his whole life. He found himself sometimes on street corners, passed out. A woman came up to him once and Treated him horribly, kicking him in the side and cracking his ribs. What are you doing on the side of the sidewalk? Can you imagine how low you would feel in those moments? That's how Brennan Manning felt sometimes. And a lot of us have similar stories where we have bottomed out. We have relapsed. We have hit the lowest low that we have hit yet. And we need to know in those moments that God loves us. But there's a component to Brennan Manning's uh, messages that was often lost on me because I, I had to struggle sometimes between him and the scriptures. And this isn't me putting Brennan Manning down. I just told you I love his stuff. His book is highly regarded by me. But uh, there was also this drive for me to say, does it have to end there though? Do I have to like, if I'm an addict, do I have to stay addicted for the rest of my life? Is Jesus not able to overcome some of these things for me? And do I just stay ragamuffin? Do I just stay beat up and draggled? Because when I read passages like the one that we read today where, where Paul is calling people to higher heights, where Paul is calling us from glory to glory, where he calls you God's heavenly family, where he recognizes you as, as angelic-like. The way that he talks about it is God's given you his spirit and the spirit is working on you and you are growing and you are becoming better and that each day you have the chance to let the spirit strip off the old stuff and put on the new creation life that is coming. Those of you who have Pentecostal blood like me, a lot of times we focus on the Holy Spirit as the empowerer. He's the one who's bringing us spiritual gifts that we can prophesy and speak in tongues and heal people and so on and so forth. But then... On the other side of the church, people focus on the Holy Spirit who comes to grow us, to perfect us, to sanctify us. And both sides are true. Part of the Spirit's job is to make you look so much like Jesus that people can't tell the difference. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where someone comes up to you and you're like, I, I really see this... I don't know how to explain it. There's just there's this thing about you that's different. And they can't always pinpoint it. But I think sometimes those moments are because you've done such a good job at, at imaging, at mirroring Jesus, who is what true humanity is supposed to look like, that people are just overwhelmed. They're caught off guard. Because when you see Jesus, 
you see the way that humans were created to be and live like. And when you catch a glimpse of that, suddenly everything else just becomes like, man, I want to get rid of this stuff and be like that. And so Jesus keeps calling people deeper and deeper. Paul keeps calling people deeper and deeper. I remember in my college class way back in the day, we were going through the book of Romans. And there's this part where, where like all the way through the book of Romans, Paul just keeps talking about how you're kind of being perfected and growing and, and you're justified and, and God is, is making you everything that you can be. But there's one passage in the middle of the Romans that, that really doesn't match the rest. There's a spot where Paul talks about, oh, this sin that I keep carrying and I just keep latching onto this and I can't seem to get away from it no matter what I do. And, oh, I'm hopeless. And you're like, Paul, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. How, how come on one side you're just like, God has broken sin's hold on our life and we can finally live the ways that we've always wanted to live through the power of the Spirit. And then at the same time, kind of have this like, I can never get out of this. Like, which one of these is true? And as we talked about that in our class, like the, the, real, the interpretation that really stuck out to me is in Paul's time, there's a way of speaking where you would pretend to be someone else for the sake of making your argument. And that's the only sense I can make of this spot where Paul kind of goes just full, there's nothing I can do, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, and keeps coming back over and over again. Because it didn't make sense with the rest of Romans. And I think that's Paul in that moment kind of describing what our lives can be like when we don't let the Spirit kind of enter in and break sin off of us. But at the same time, how many of us have lived in that same dynamic that Paul has? I want to live sinless. I want to have sins hold on me broken like the Bible keeps telling me it is as a Christian. But also, I feel like that person that Paul was pretending to be for the sake of an argument. I feel trapped. I feel stuck. That was me for decades until one day I was praying. And I just began to feel this feeling inside of me rise up, so to say, Jamin, every time that you look in mirrors, all you do is rip yourself apart. All you do is speak horrible things over yourself. You call yourself names. You tell yourself you will never get this right. Shaman, is that, is that the Holy Spirit? <laughs> well, no, God, you would never say those kinds of things to a person. Then whose voice is that? And I began to question that. And then I felt this next thing rise up in me, that I had to say things over me that were biblically accurate and spiritually true because truth is not what I believe it is, even if I have evidences for it. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. And so as I start thinking, what would Jesus say? What do the scriptures say about me and my life as a Christian and my identity in Christ? What does Jesus say to the people that I preach to, but don't always practice. Would I ever go in a room with someone else and say over them the things that I say to myself in the mirror? No, of course not. So why can I not extend to myself the same thing that I extend to others? And so I did that and 
it's hard to explain what happens, but something broke. And then something left. And then compulsions ended. That old side of me that felt like that person Paul described, that old side of me that, that was like, oh, I'm just always stuck here forever. That no longer seemed to reign true anymore. That felt like a, a lie that was holding me in place. It was a religious thinking of myself that I, I needed freedom from. It was a shame that, that held me really, really tight. Because shame often works in that way. It puts you in a space to say you'll never be better, and then it fulfills its promise to you by helping you never be better. And once that went, I realized God can do anything. (laughs) I'd been constraining him for a long time, telling him he can't. God, you can move a mountain, but you sure can't change Jamin Bradley. I mean, let's set the lines here. Jamin, bigger than mountain moving. How often is that your perspective of yourself too? That the same God who can move the mountains cannot help you be a better person. Where does that match in Scripture? We come from a Wesleyan tradition that really likes to push this one far and make everyone uncomfortable. Whenever we're making uh, new partners in this church... I usually have questions come up when they get to the section about sanctification. Because uh, John Wesley, who started the Methodist Church, really pushed this doctrine of Christian perfection. And it was his idea that the scriptures really are telling us we can become everything spiritually and morally that, that we want to be if we let the Spirit keep working on us over time. He's patient. It happens slowly. It is not a a usually like it's not in a moment, but it's work and work and work until finally something breaks. This is what I do with deliverance ministry. When I'm casting out demons, I've just decided after um, seeing very little fruit in me forcing them to leave that I'm always asking the Holy Spirit if it's time for any to go. And sometimes he tells us, no, you need to wait. This person has not really fully given this thing over or they need time to be more tested that they're not going to run back to this stuff. But when the spirit's ready for it to go, the thing goes. And oftentimes there's like substantial life change. Be it the compulsion leaving, be it the thinking differently, being it a lightness about them, a freedom that they didn't have before because they're finding that they're chiseling stuff off in the spiritual that they didn't even recognize was there. When so many times that takes effort on our behalf. Mark talked a long time ago about um, replacement. If you want to break something bad off, you've got to find something good to bring it in its place. Follow the fruit of the Spirit. What is something loving, joyful, peace? patience, kindness. What, what are those kinds of things that you can put into your life that can, can start to chisel away the other stuff? What are the ways in which you want to grow? What are the miracles in your character that you've been wanting to change? Because we're proponents of change. Not because we don't like you how you are, but because we all know that it feels good to get healthier. 
So when Paul comes in and he begins to declare over you that Jesus is Lord of the earth and that you are holy ones, Paul's not coming with empty theology. He is not coming with empty promises. He is not trying to paint a picture in which lives just kind of, you know, if we take on this frame of thinking, we have good theology. He wants a theology that is transformative. He wants something that changes us. Because Paul needed that change. You saw his life before he got saved. He was out there just acting murderously, angrily, lots of vengeance. And God stepped in and changed him and continued to change him and continued to conform his mind so that he would be like him. And that is the way that the Bible talks about your, your Christian walk. Metamorphoso. You are being metamorphosed into something else by the renewal of your mind. You are being transformed. You were once a caterpillar. As a Christian in this age, your body is kind of sinking down into that weird watery form between caterpillar and butterfly. And in the resurrection, you give way to something that is still you, but is also unidentifiable and identifiable at the same time. That we still might recognize one another and at the same time be like, what's that? Just like Peter kind of does with Jesus after Jesus has been resurrected. Peter, the Bible says that Peter didn't have to ask who it was because he knew or something like that. Kind of a weird statement to say about your friend that you just spent so many years with. Who's that? Oh, it's Jesus. But that can be what it's like for us right now. That's why when sometimes when people get saved and their lives are so transformed, like, I don't even recognize you anymore. You're so different. That we might receive the call to become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Obviously, we've already failed, right? But to walk in greater and greater awareness of our, our ability to, to grow. Yeah, I have, uh, I have a acquaintance who um, chased after a lot of different religions trying to find the one because uh, he took it really seriously. He was trying to find God the whole time, but he found himself in pretty much everything except Christianity. He was born to a Jewish family and then kind of chased after Buddhism and things like that. And then finally started to be open to uh, ideas around Christianity. And along the way, he found the Catholic Church. And the reason the Catholic Church was so compelling to him is because it was a form of Christianity that had saints. And the idea behind these saints to him was these Christians teach that once you get saved, there's more to do. There's work. You can, you can grow in sanctification. You can grow in perfection. You can become more. And he didn't want what is often an empty evangelical faith that just says, I just want you to pray this prayer. Once you've done that, we're good. We'll see you on the other side. He didn't want that. He wanted something that challenged him, that wanted to grow him. And so the fine line that I give to you guys this morning, of course, is God loves you. It doesn't matter what your brokenness is. Your brokenness will never be bigger than God's love for you. doesn't matter how deep it goes. He is a God who likes to redeem. He is a God who understands the brokenness of you. And he is a God who can put you back together. 
And at the same time, he's a God who wants to help you in your growth. Because being spiritually healthy, there's really nothing quite like that. That brings us closer and closer to understanding who God is. Makes us more and more like him. And then your evangelism often just becomes being a Christian in this world so people can see what that looks like and say, that. I think that's that Jesus guy. I want to know what that is. Would somebody tell me about that? So Jesus, we bring ourselves before you right now. Um, It is so easy to get caught up in shame. And it's also so easy to get caught up in being apathetic and stagnant. The gospel we preach that just says, say this prayer after me like a magical incantation and we're all good. That's the easy faith. But if the New Testament is right and there is freedom, true actual freedom through your spirit from this being of, of sin, then we want that. We want to overcome sin because we've seen the effects that it has on our life and we do not like it. And Jesus, if you can move mountains through a word, well, then you can move the mountains that are inside of us as well. So we give you our hearts, our soul, our mind, our strength, the most important command in the Bible, to love you with all of us, to love our neighbors as ourselves. We recognize that as we are perfected in love in that way, we will begin to become the, the spiritual beings, the, the true holy ones that you have already called us because we belong to you and we are headed to you. So teach us and grow us more. Strip off the old ways and bring us to the new. In Jesus' name. Go now in peace and in the power of the Holy Spirit, which raised Jesus from the dead and moves within you that heaven may break through in Jackson to the glory of our God.